Amen. I want to thank the men. I'm going to ask you to stand. Brother Joe, it is good to see you. Did I see Strip in the house today? <laughs> Mr. 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 Larry, Larry Stripling? Larry Stripling is... <laughs> Larry, it's good to see you. It's good to see everyone. I want to acknowledge our, our guest today. And I'm getting some feedback. I want to thank you for your presence in the rain. <laughs> a lot of times, um, there's two times when people will say they don't go out or when they don't want to go to church, when it's raining and when it's very nice weather. <laughs> One, it's too wet because, you know, they don't want to come out in the rain because, you know, it might get wet. And the other is too nice because I got to go to the beach or do something else. But you're here. <laughs> So I want to thank the Lord for your goodness. Let's pray. We thank you today, Lord, for your wonderful grace, your mercy, your kindness. We thank you for the privilege that you've given us to be in this place. We honor you for being the wonderful Savior, the Lord who loves his people. We thank you for caring for us, dying for us, giving us hope. Thank you for the plan of salvation. We pray that you will open our ears today to hear what the word of God is saying. We pray that you will keep us in your perfect care. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. want to acknowledge our guest today. Dana, if you would be so kind. I just met your guest. If you'd be so kind to introduce your, maybe she can introduce herself. I'm not sure however you like to do it. But if you would be so kind. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I know you look familiar. Um, Mary Davis um, is here. She's going to also be coming on Wednesday. She told me when I invited her, she had something to do last week, but she said I would be here. So on Thursday, when we were meeting the men, um, we made arrangements, and I called Claude the transportation guy. So uh, he's, our <laughs> he's our transportation man. So he, he picked her up this morning, had a time for her to be there, and she was there, and he brought her. So we want to thank Mary for being here and for Claude. I want to thank you all for being here. I'm going to ask Brother Steve if he would just stand up and take just about 30 seconds just to say hello to us. Brother Steve Knudsen. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve. As, you, as many of you may or may not know, I played, growing up, played baseball for the Seals, and his father... Connie was our coach, so I played with his brother. Steve was a little bit older than us, and I, um, by the time I came through Little League, he was going on to Babe Ruth, and then we ended up playing softball together. Um, and uh, just over the years, had a, have had a wonderful relationship with the family. Grew up with brother Ronnie. And I remember that we used to spell our name backwards. I still remember Enor Nesdunk is his name spelled backwards, Enor. I remember that. <laughs> Nesdunk. <laughs> Ronnie Knudsen. <laughs> I always thought that was a blast, and my name was the Cram Lambs, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we called each other. <laughs> We've been going through the, the series in Acts, and I want, to I want you to turn into the book of Acts. You know, I, it is just amazing when you begin to prepare a message, and, and what the direction that you think you're going, somehow God takes you in a different direction. I, I'm thinking that I'm going to get through points A, B, and C, points one, two, three, and 
behold, it looks like I'm going to get through point one today. <laughs> and then we'll be back. So I was planning to take the first 11 verses, but I am going to be dealing with the first five and may reference the others. But right now, as I stand here, that's my plan where the Lord has me. So Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse one, brother Joe is good to see you. Joe um, is the one of the members for, with us in Petaluma. He comes out on every Tuesday the Bible study, Joe, people may not know who you are, so if you just raise your hand, Brother Joe Anderson, I want to thank the Lord for Brother Joe being here today. I want to draw your attention to Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Be reading from the NIV. And for those of you who may not know that we have Wi-Fi, if you have your your phones, if you're, as long as they're on, vi on Vibrate, you can go to PICF free, and you will be able to, if you're pulling down the scriptures from the website, you can go there and link to the churches. PICF free, you'll be able to log on there. I tell you, we have, lost, we have left the age of DOS and computers and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all don't remember DOS. What's DOS? You know? <laughs> Chuck knows what DOS is. <laughs> uh, DOS? Well, oh, I, I don't even know. <laughs> Stands for Dinosaur Operating System. <laughs> Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. If you're writing the title down, the title is A Very Bleak Outlook, But Hold On. A Very Bleak Outlook, But Hold On. What happens when life does not turn out how you expected it to turn out? What happens to your faith when God says no? What happens to your prayer life when the very thing that you have been praying for, the opposite happens? What happens to your faith when the very thing that you have been praying for takes place and you don't believe it? Trusting God is all about trusting God. <laughs> While trusting God involves your will and faith, 
God often acts outside of your will and faith. God cannot be contained by your thoughts in your mind. Yet, he relates to us according to our thoughts. We noticed the last time that we were together that Barnabas had gone down to Tarsus in search of Saul. Saul had been converted, and we've gone through that. I don't have the time to go take us back through all of that, but we know that, that when the persecution uh, started, Saul was the culprit. And then on the road to Damascus, when the Lord shined the light on him and told him to go to Damascus and to wait for further instructions, he was saved. And then when going back to Jerusalem, there was a plot set in place to kill him, and the church sent him back to his hometown, Tarsus. And so it is in this place where Saul has been remaining, and, and you have to imagine that he has not been idle. He's not just in Tarsus sitting around killing time. But he's there because he's been called by God to do a work, but the time for his anointing or the time for his ministry has not come yet to fruition. So Barnabas, upon leaving Antioch, goes in search of Saul. And when he finds him, when you have to understand when it talks about searching for Saul, he did not know exactly where he was. It meant that he looked for him. He went in search. I know he's here. Has anyone seen Saul? And when he finds him, he brings him back to Antioch. And the Bible says for a whole year in chapter 11 that Paul and and, and, and was named as Saul, but, but Saul will say now, and Barnabas spent a whole year in Antioch teaching the saints. We also notice that as Antioch begins to have Greeks, those that are outside of the Jewish nation, to be saved, we, we notice that the Antioch individuals, those that were there, started calling the Christians, well, they, they were calling the, the people of the way Christians. They said these people are acting just like the Christ. And it was a derogatory term. The Bible says they were first called Christians in Antioch. And, and, and it was not a name that was given to them by the church. It was a name that was given to them by those who meant to, to, to bring um, not just terror, but disrespect to them look at those Christians and yet that name has stuck over time Christians as I mentioned before when people call themselves Christians today they don't really understand what it means they try to say 70 to 80 percent of American are Christian no they ain't no 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 not 70 80 percent of no People in America are Christian. Word, Christian, that means a follower of Christ. One that follows the way of the Lord. There are two systems in place, the church and the world. If you're not in the church, as you know, you are where? In the world. 
And so it was those people in the world that said in Antioch, look at those Christians, those Christ ones. So as, as, as Paul and Barnabas are there, the scene then shifts. It's like, how many of y'all have seen the old movies of Batman? Help me now. Don't, 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 don't. You, you've seen Batman. And as the scene changes, it has the things begin to spin and says, meanwhile, back in Gotham City. Right? It, it, it is a transition. That's what chapter 12 is like. There's a transition that's like, meanwhile, back in Jerusalem. Chapter 1 begins. It was about this time, it says, that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. This Herod here, and I'm going to just do more teaching today. This Herod here is Herod Agrippa I. Herod Agrippa I. He is the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great is the one when the wise men had come in search of the Messiah, came to Herod and said, we are looking for the king, the child. And Herod told them, the king, and so he had called others. It's, what's this thing I hear about this child? Yes, in Bethlehem there's to be a child. And, and he told the wise men, when you find word, bring word back to me so I too may go and worship him. But the Bible says that the angel of the Lord warned them, leave and go another way because Herod means harm. And when Herod realized that he had been tricked, the Bible says that he took all of the babies, two years old. So, so at this time, we know that Christ was not just a newborn. He had been older, but two years old and younger, he had all the babies killed. This is Herod. The great. This is the grandson, Herod Agrippa. Herod the great, upon telling the wise men, go and search, was a man that could not stand competition. He was a man that would not, would kill his own family. Then the son of Herod the great, called Herod Antipas, is a Herod that beheaded John the Baptist. Herod the Great has a son, Herod Antipas, and he killed John the Baptist. Follow me. Herod Antipas was also the one that was there during the trial of Jesus where Herod sent our Pontius Pilate sent Jesus to. And so this Herod Antipas is the son of Herod the Great. He is the uncle of Herod Agrippa in chapter 12. Are you, are you following me? All right. Now Herod the Great is who? The first. 
The first, and what did he do? He killed the babies. Then he had a son named Herod Antipas. And what did he do? Killed John the Baptist. Herod Agrippa I is the brother of Herodias who danced before Herod Antipas. And he was the one who said, I will give you up to half my kingdom because she pleased him as she danced. She goes to the mother and said, what should I ask for? Ask for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Herod Agrippa is the brother of Herodias. You follow me? We're not done. We've gotten to three. <laughs> and I'll just mention this since Sister Ruby said there's three. Let me throw out a fourth one just to you right now. Then there's Herod Agrippa II, which is the son of this Herod Agrippa in chapter 12. And he was the one that Paul spoke to. And he said to Paul, you almost convinced me, Paul, to become a Christian. It's that son. So all through this, we find Herod's family. Herod Agrippa I in our text had a father by the name of Aristobulus. He was killed when Herod Agrippa was very young. And so because the family members here of Herod Agrippa, the first here, when he was four, sent him to Rome. So he goes to Rome and he's raised in, within the household of the Caesars. And there's a person by the name of Gaius who's in the family of the Caesars. And, and, and to make the story, to shorten it, Gaius, when he becomes of age, his, his great uncle died, and Gaius becomes the emperor of Rome. Well, because Gaius and King Agrippa were close friends and he helped to take care of him, he put King Agrippa I as king over Jerusalem and Samaria. That's how he came to become king here in this chapter. In AD 37, King Agrippa I was an evil man. All of Herod's family were evil. And if you notice in scripture, you will see the word tetrarch. The word tetrarch refers to anybody that is a descendant, a direct descendant of Herod. They, it, it means ruler of the fourth. They were rulers. And, and when we look at this king, Agrippa here, he follows in the exact same footsteps as his granddaddy, Herod. And so, and so now we get a glimpse as we look again back at chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. We see where his background comes from. Amen. We, we see that he comes from a history of, of kings that didn't honor God, that didn't love that which was right. And so he, he's put in charge, and he has a grandmother that's part Jewish. And, and so he is accepted by the people only partially because his grandmother, Miriam, was a was Jewish and and so he because of that he was partly accepted but the Jewish people didn't really like him they tolerated him 
And so as this man is on the throne, he, he, he needs to do something to curry the favor of the Jewish people. And so he sees James and, 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 and the people that are already showed their dislike. He already knew there was opposition and there was, there was a disliking of the people that belonged to the way. And so he took James and killed James with the sword. James is one of the disciples of Jesus. And as, as James is killed, the church and the, not the people guard, guard, oh, look at it, he's killed him, wonderful, and he saw that it pleased the people. <laughs> and when he saw that it pleased the people, he said, oh, man, this is pretty good. I'm, I'm going to get Peter, too. Do you not know that the enemy will look at you and make plans to take you out of this world. He's looking to see what type of reaction can I get from people on the outside. And he will stir people up in a frenzy to get rid of you. If you belong to the Lord, if you belong to him, if you're one of his, the enemy has a target out for you. He's out to get you. And as a result of this, He's making plans and preparations. The first point that we're going to deal with, and the only point, I'll have several things dealing with this, but it is James killed and Peter awaiting execution. Point one, James killed and Peter awaiting execution. It can be very disheartening to pray and to see that your prayers were not answered in the way that you were praying. For some people, it causes them to question the love of God. When loved ones die that you did not expect to die at that time, it causes you to question, does God really care? The Christians whom we first uh, discovered were Christians in Antioch. We, we, we mentioned that they were, were called this because there was a hostile group, and we wonder, God, why are they treating us this way? When we remember in Jerusalem, when Saul in chapter 9, when, when Stephen's about to be martyred, starting at 7, I believe, and 7 and 8, and on through 9, it, 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 it pleased the people and that, that, that the cry was being worked up in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, as they were making plans to kill Stephen as he told them the truth. And they laid their cloaks and their coats down at a place um, at the feet of a person by the name of Saul. And when they killed Stephen, a frenzy broke out. Oh, we can kill the saints. Somehow, and I don't know just what happened or how, the apostles were spared during that first persecution. They remained in Jerusalem while everybody else was scattered. At this time in 12, they are no longer protected. But they are now the targets of the persecution. What happens when God's people, his saints, are beginning to be persecuted for believing and trusting him? The church was in earnest prayer when James was in trouble. You have to believe that they were praying for his deliverance, and yet he was killed. Once faith would be shaken when the pillar of the church was killed. And then... They go after Peter. 
they must have been devastated. When evil men and people seem to get the upper hand, it causes the church to question, will God in fact act? But let me tell you this, God's timing is impeccable. <laughs> God's timing is impeccable. It's perfect. I can imagine that you've had some very close encounters. And you said to yourself when you got out of that situation, oh, my God, it was just by the skin of my hair. Or whatever they say, the skin of my teeth, skin of something. <laughs> I just escaped. God has a habit or a way of just like seeming to wait to the very last moment. God just seems to, seems just to make you just wait. You're saying, Lord, I want you to act now. And he's saying, wait. My emotions, Lord, can't take this much longer. Lord, wait. He says, wait, wait, wait. But they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up <laughs> with wings as an eagle. When, when you think about how you must wait upon the Lord, it, it's something that God does to build character in his people. You see, cause it, waiting causes you, if you do it right, to persevere. We sometimes... Just hurry up and wait. <laughs> hurry up and wait. I, I get sometimes tickled when I ain't got no place to go in a hurry. I, I get tickled watching people in traffic. Sometimes I'm those people, but every once in a while, I just get so tickled. There are people honking their horns when there's traffic and can't go anywhere, telling the person in front of them, move. And as I can look out my window and look way down the road and see there's no openings, there's nobody moving. And so they take their anger and frustration out. And, and, and I know that, I know Lene has mentioned this before. She go, where does traffic come from? I, I, just, I just don't understand it. If people are all moving at a certain speed, why is there traffic? I have yet to figure that out. I was in Los Angeles last weekend, last week. Mel and I were coming back, and we are, day and night, you're going to be in traffic on 405 or 5. We're on 405, and there's major traffic. And we're just thinking, what? They got, they got a commute lane 24-7 there, too. But there's traffic all, just all day. I'm thinking, what is going on? God has a way of, of helping us. When we have to wait upon him. And then when we wait upon the Lord, the answer that he sometimes gives does not meet what we wanted to hear or have to happen. What happens to your faith when that happens? You've got to realize when the church saw what happened to Stephen, they were shaken. Nobody right now is outside of being harassed and killed for the cause of Christ. We thought that the disciples, 
those pillars would be, you know, would not have to face or deal with death as the regular people would. No, 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 no. Herod Agrippa went after them. And he then puts Peter in prison. When your life lies in the balance, you don't want to have a person making decisions about your life because of political reasons. Yet, that is how King Agrippa was, in fact, ruling. <laughs> now, the time that this happened is around the Passover. It, it, it amazes me that the Passover was a time to remember what Christ had done. And yet, now get this picture. You got King Agrippa, who killed James, who's about to kill Peter. Passover come. Oh, we, we can't do it right now because it's the Passover. It's a special day. We got we to gotta celebrate and do what's right. But as soon as this day over. Ha have any of y'all been in a situation where you've been told as soon as this day is over, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Kids never like to hear that from their parents. Wait till you get home. <laughs> I told y'all when I was young, I get sleepy in the middle of the day. I did something wrong. I come home. <sighs> it's time to go to bed. Because my mom would say, wait till your daddy get home. 3 o'clock, 3.30, bedtime. <laughs> I can maybe miss whatever the activity is going to be happening when he gets home. That was my intention. Dinner, not hungry. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm cool. Then I hear the car pull up. My eyes close a little bit tighter. Because I'm falling fast asleep. I hear the steps, him coming up the steps. And with every step, my heart, boom. Poo -poo. <laughs> he opens the door. I don't hear no talking downstairs. <laughs> Few minutes later, I hear Mark. <laughs> Marky is what they call me. I come out to do yes. Get down here. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> My dad didn't spank me much, but when he did. Those were spankers I never forget. He had big hands. And he used to work at the post office and had a belt from the post office. <laughs> I think Ronnie became friends with that belt more than I did. <laughs> but, but, but waiting, but this matter of wait. When we look next time, when we go further, I don't see how a person could sleep when they know they're about to die. But I, I, I want to draw your attention quickly to verse number five. So it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Mm, mm, mm. When we see that word but. 
we need to consider that it is saying pay, pay special attention to what follows. When James was killed, it is amazing that the church continued to pray. And the Bible says, and I want you to understand this, when they recognized and realized that Peter was in prison, the Bible says they prayed more earnestly. Do you get that? You see, there's a time when we pray, and then there is something that happens that causes us to go to the next level of prayer. Something traumatic may have happened, and it causes you to seek God all the more. You may say, oh, God, have mercy, because there's something on the inside that is turning you and trying to and propelling you into the very presence of God because you need his help. There's something about prayer. There's something about our life when things happen that, that causes us to press in more and more into the presence of God. That's what the church did when Peter was arrested. They began to pray more earnestly. They realized that when they prayed, James was still, he was still killed. And so as they began to pray, I can imagine they, they began to fast and the church gathers together in this house and they began to petition the throne of God. God answers prayer. But he sometimes says no. I see a person, and the moment this person hears the word no, he pouts. He's getting what he wants, but the moment the word no comes, you can see a change come over him. What happens with you when the answer is no? What happens to your spirit? What happens to your life? Do you say, God, you didn't answer this. I quit you. What happens when, when, when you just can't have your way? Well, let me just say this. If you are in the will of God, God has a way of taking those no's, working them out so that it produces a yes oftentimes later on to much more glory than you would have gotten back here. Because there are times when God is working and doing something, and, and, and you're not quite ready for it. You, you just are not, you're not in the place to, to handle it. And, and God wants you to understand that he's taking you from glory to glory. You see, there's something that God is doing. It is not according to just what you want, but it's according to his own perfect will, that he works and operates. And there are times that we need to understand that when God is saying no right now, that is just a way for him to help you to grow so that when you get to yes, it's something that you can handle. But we're so stuck on the no that we miss what God is doing. But the church was praying. And when we gather next week, we're going to see what God does in a mighty, mighty way. And I want to take you through the steps as we just started this part of it on next time. And, and, I, and I, I want you to go ahead and read it. Go ahead and read chapter 12. It is just w w a wonderful passage in Acts. But I want to just mention to you this. Where a person's heart is, is revealed during times of trouble. Where your heart really is, is revealed in times of trouble. Of trouble.
what you really feel and think about God and his ability to deliver you will show when there's trouble. If you're one that says, oh, I believe and trust God, oh, hallelujah. And something comes, what's in your heart is going to come out. If you're one that's given to, let me, let me say this this way. And I mentioned this, it just, it just came to mind, it, it applies. I wasn't a cusser growing up. I didn't cuss. But on occasion, I tried to do it at school and hide it at home. And if I said a bad word at school, people knew I was really, really mad. Because I only really cussed when I was really, really, really mad. So if I said a bad word, ooh, Mark was really, really mad. So I told you on this one day, I was out playing with, with Keith and Trig, Claver's brother. We're playing baseball, and I tell you, we ran into each other on a pop-up playing, 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 playing baseball, and we ran head, and I said a bad word. My dad was outside washing his Volkswagen. <laughs> the only thing I remember was Keithan doing this, <laughs> and my dad with the water hose bent over looking at me like this, and then it dawned on me. My mind did a quick replay. You said... <laughs> And the words came out, and I thought, oh, no. I realized that what I was doing at school would eventually come out where I didn't want it to. And so my lifestyle had to match out there as well as at home. When trouble comes, something happens, it's going to reveal what's in your heart. You can try to play two sides of the road. But when trouble comes, it's going to reveal what's on the inside. The church showed their character by praying when trouble comes. But we're going to see also a problem even when they prayed next time. I'm just prepping you so you come back next week <laughs> to get more. <laughs> I just want to prep you. I'll see you. I'll get you in a moment. But, but, but I want you to understand, it makes no difference what the enemy has planned for you. It makes no difference what the enemy has made preparations for. When you're with God, God oversees your entire life. And the enemy can't do anything unless God gives him the okay. And we're going to see that next time. And I want to tell you this. No matter what comes, and no matter how bleak the picture may look, hold on, because God's got a plan. Amen. I'm going to take a couple questions. I see your hand. And you're going to pray and leave. Amen. 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 Brother Kitty, as long as they're not an ain't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, what qualifies saint is basically just another name for Christians. In fact, in our, in our passage in, first, in, Col in Colossians 1, 24 through 27, I believe it mentions the word saints actually in there in around 25 or 26. And I'll, let me just see. Yeah, in fact, it says in uh, 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden 
for, the, for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Saints are another word for those who have accepted Christ. So are believers in Jesus Christ. All right? So it's not because a church has made a person a saint. It's because of the relationship. So just like the people of the way are Christians, Christians is another name for saints. All right? Just another name for saints are Christians, Christian saints. Well, the, not the followers of Christ. There are, many people, there are many people who go to church. All people who go to church are not saints. Um, but, but the key thing is it's the relationship that one has with Jesus Christ. It's the Lord. Now, in some religions, in some um, religions, they will call individual saints, like St. Paul. He was a St. Peter. But oftentimes, they also worship them. We're not to worship anyone but Jesus Christ. They give them sainthood. But when we think, when we call the saints, we're speaking of those who have been, you know, purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. Whole different meaning in regards to what the Bible or how it's used in, in the scripture here. All right. Any other questions before we conclude? Any questions about what we've read? Clarification. Yes. We're going to deal with that next time. We're going to deal with that and what happened. One of the hairs that was eaten by worms. You'll read that in chapter 12 as well. And let me just say this as you, with, your, with your eyes closed. I'm going to say a couple, a couple of things. I'm going to pray. We live in a society today that does not love Christ, and they are fighting against the Lord. There is a division between light and darkness, and we need to understand that, that light and darkness does not mix. And when we look at the f what happened with James and Peter, it was light being shined in darkness, even on the hearts of the people, that caused such a reaction. And when the killing of the saint of Stephen, or when, 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 when uh, 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 rather James, when James was killed, it brought glee to those that were not in Christ. That's how the world responds when something happens to the church or the Christian. And we've got to be prepared and understand that we have been called to suffer for Christ and to even die for him. We don't know how we're going to, but we've got to stand. And that's what I think one of the key things we need to take from this as well is that they were willing to die for their faith. And just a few uh, weeks or a time earlier, they, were, they had denied Christ. Now they're dying for him. Today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that we will be people that will be willing to die for the cause of Christ. It is a, it is a challenge. It is a, a commitment to the Lord because, God, when we look at what you've done for us, the fact that you died and rose and gave us life. And then even when you told James and John that can you really drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? And they said, yes. And, Lord, it happened. And we've got to be prepared to drink of the cup that the Lord has given us. We're praying today that we will understand and know that you're able to keep all of us and to keep everything that we've, that we've committed to you against that day. And we thank you today that your, your grace protects, your grace keeps us, your, your, your power keeps us. We love you, we praise you, we honor you for being the great and almighty king. We give your name all the glory. And all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.